For the rest of you, I'm going to ask that you open your Bible to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So I'm going to do a little test real quick while you turn there. I'm going to see if people actually listen to this sermon online or if they just tell me they did. I want to know if Adam Hector missed his seat today. So if Adam Hector tells you he missed his seat today, he actually listened to the sermon on his way home from Branson, all right? So you ask Adam if he listened. And if he says yes, well, what did he say about you? He he better know, all right? So we're going to do a little test. and if he listened and he passed the test, I'll cook him dinner. How's that? Okay. So John chapter 11. Let, let me just ask you on a serious note, who here is the kind of person that anytime you go somewhere or anytime you invite people over or anytime there is any kind of gathering, you're always on time or early and you're always waiting for someone. Put your hand down back there. I know the Harris family ain't early for nothing. Who here for real is always waiting on somebody? Let me just apologize to you now. My family is the people you're waiting on. All right? Uh, who here is that person? They're waiting on you and you know it. All right? Uh, we have Michaela and I and four kids now to get ready and to make sure the diaper bag's packed, to make sure the dogs are watered and fed or, or they need to go out and make sure that... You know, and it's always funny because... Anytime we go somewhere, it's always one of those scenes where are we going to lose our sanity before we even leave? You know, because I have an eight-year-old who thinks she's 18 and knows what she's going to wear and how she's going to do things. And and my six-year-old moves at the speed of a snail. And, and, you know, we're just, people are just always waiting on on us. And and I'm sorry, if you invite us somewhere and we're 10 minutes late, uh, just be thankful. All right, because that's pretty early. But then it reminded me, I was thinking about when I was a kid, uh, there was this song titled Waiting on a Woman. You all heard that song by Brad Paisley? Uh, about, and the song, if you haven't heard it, it's a, it's a great song, but it's a song about this young man and this old man sitting at a bench waiting on their wives in the mall. They're at a mall, and, and, and the young man sits next to the old man. The old man imparts wisdom to this young man, trying to prepare him that you are always going to be waiting on your woman. And all the husbands said, Amen. Right? Uh, we've been there. But the song is great because this man, the old man was trying to talk this young man up and tell him, hey, it's going to be worth it. It's worth it to wait on that bride. If you, if, if you wait and in the song he says, I told her that our first date, I would be there at 8 and it, she came down the stairs at 8.30. You all remember that? Um, there's going to be times where waiting is worth it. And when it comes to my wife or when it comes to kids, when it comes to any time we may invite you all or you invite us all and, and we're late or you're late or she's late, there's going to be a time where sometimes you might get, because people wait differently, right? Some people wait and they wonder, well, what are they doing? Why are they not here yet? Why didn't they get this figured out earlier? Why did they, why did they, what? So some people wait very impatiently. Some people wait very patiently. You know, they don't care if you're three hours late 
or if you're right on time to them, it doesn't matter. Some people actually use the waiting period to get some things done. And maybe, you know, if you're waiting for people to come over, you get some more things done that you needed to get done or whatever the case is. You're waiting on people to come. So you, you, you know, you do your Amazon shopping for the day or for the week and you, you know, may, may run to town, whatever the case is. Um, but we all wait a little differently. Some of you may wait very patiently. Some of you may wait very impatiently. I'll tell you the kind of waiter I am. I'm the kind of waiter that wants to leave now but won't do anything to actually get us out now. I will yell at the kids, come on, get your clothes on, get ready, fix your hair, do your teeth, do all that. But I'm not actually going to take the time to brush their teeth or put their clothes on. That's Michaela's responsibility as we leave. It's just my job. It's my responsibility to gripe that we're late. And Michaela will tell me, well, I got myself and four kids ready and the diaper bag packed and the dog's fed, and you're still in your boxers and T-shirt. Like, what are you waiting on? Um, But, you know, whenever we finally make it to our destination, the waiting was well worth it. And in John chapter 11, we read about Martha and Mary waiting on Jesus. And if I were to title this particular message, it would be Waiting on Jesus. Now, if I were to ask you, have you ever had to wait on the Lord to do something for you? The majority of us would raise our hands. Now, let me ask you this. Has God ever blessed you in one way or another or done anything for you? You can just raise your hand. Now, I want you to keep your hand up if it looked exactly how you asked and exactly when you asked and on your time and terms. majority of us would have to put our hands down because God does things differently and what we will finally realize as we grow spiritually and spiritually more and more mature is that the, sometimes the wait is worth it. So let's go John chapter 11. And I'm going to read as much and as quickly as I can um, and keep it English for us all. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent him, sent to him, meaning sent a message. There was no text. There was no Facebook. There was just word of mouth through other people. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, for it is, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Then after he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again. Jesus answered, and there are not 12 hours, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That's one of the verses you read the Bible and you're like, what? Is he talking about? As we go on, we see now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary. Mary came. And Jesus, who had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. So he was, he was traveling to Lazarus. He hasn't made it yet. Martha was so excited that she heard Jesus was coming that she went and met him. But she didn't meet him in such a high spirit. She met him in one of those things. Well, if you had been here earlier, if you had been here when we sent word to you, if you would have come earlier, if you didn't make us wait, then our brother would not have died. Mary gets word. When Martha returns home, Mary goes and meets Jesus. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I would say there's probably a majority of people in here who have been through a season of life or a particular circumstance and wondered why God isn't changing it. Why hasn't God done anything yet? What, what, is, what is he waiting on? And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died come out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So I read this text to you because if you were to read the rest of John, you would see that this is the last miracle Jesus performed before his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what we know as Palm Sunday. And if you follow the calendar, next week, April the 10th, is what we call Palm Sunday. This is when Jesus goes into Jerusalem to institute or, or to initiate Holy Week as the people had palm branches and they were laying them down and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they were accepting Jesus or, or entering, entering Jesus into Jerusalem where he would on Friday breathe his last breath hanging on a cross for people like you and me so that we could be forgiven of our sin. And then we know that the following Sunday, so two weeks from now, we celebrate Easter or Resurrection Day when Jesus rose from the dead. But as you read the rest of John, you see that this is the last miracle he performs before initiating what we call Holy Week. And I read that to you. And if you were to read the rest of chapter 11 into chapter 12, you would see that they, Martha and Mary have Jesus over and Lazarus and, and friends and family over and they prepare a large dinner. And Martha would come. 
and serve and, and serve and serve. And Mary's there and Mary comes in later as you read on into chapter 12 and puts uh, about a year's worth of ointment on Jesus' feet and purifies him and almost anoints him for the coming death that he would endure for you and me. But what we see in this particular text is Martha and Mary both voice their concern to Jesus as to why he made them wait. Well, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. So as I said earlier, you and I may wait for people or wait for things to pass differently. But all of us are at one time or another going to have to wait on God. You will. There's going to be a point in time where financially you're needing something to change because the debt is adding up, the bills are piling up, and you're going to be waiting on God to provide for you in a way that you can't do on your own. There may be times where relationships seem to fall apart and you're needing a miraculous uh, a performance of, of the Lord to maybe change their heart because, you know, you're not the one in the wrong. You never are. We never are. It's always them, right? I mean, we're always, we're always telling them. But there's going to be times where relationships may be hindered or even broke and spiraling out of control to where it is going to take a, a miracle of the Lord to change our hearts and to mend back together what was once broken. There's going to be times where you are going to be praying because you are physically ill, physically, you know, diagnosed with something that the doctors have no hope in or very little hope in. And you are going to be waiting on the Lord to provide you a miracle as you continue to pray for his healing hand upon you. And there's going to be times where we have to wait. I don't know if you've ever switched careers or built homes or bought anything that you thought through very well, there's times where we just have to wait. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a very simple formula for you and I to wait on the Lord. Though we may, may wait on other people differently, whether you're patient or impatient, we may wait on things to change or, or the weather seasons to change differently. You and I must wait on the Lord the same. In first it's three words. We're going to see these three things carried out through Martha and Mary as they not just waited on the Lord, but how they responded to Jesus performing what it was that they desired most. Because it's one thing to wait, but it's another thing to wait and truly believe that God is capable of doing what it is that you ask him to do whether it be to provide for you and your family, whether it be to restore the relationship, whether it be to heal your body or your, or your mind. So the first thing is that we must pray. We must pray. And what happens is Martha and Mary, they send word to Jesus to inform him that the one he loved, Lazarus, their brother, was very ill and about to die. So what they do is they kind of follow what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Paul is writing to Philippian believers while in prison and about to die. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here's the thing. If you are here and you are needing something from God, whether it be a physical healing, a relationship healing, a financial blessing, or, or just guidance or, or direction or patience or, or wisdom in, in raising kids or, or trying to, you know, bring back a marriage or trying to build a career, whatever it is that you are needing God to provide or God to bless, first and foremost, we must make our requests known to him. We must humble ourselves. And what happens is it's very humbling for us to make our requests known to him. 
Because what you're showing in praying to the Lord and asking Him for help is that you are showing in and of yourselves you do not possess the strength, the ability, or the competency to actually do what it is that you are needing a miracle in doing. I mean, for, for example, you and I cannot change the hearts of other people. We can't make money fall from the sky. We, we can't grow it on trees. That's what I was told as a kid. Money doesn't grow on trees. Actually, it does because paper is from trees, right? So, but if you plant one in the back, backyard and you happen to grow money on it, please invite me over. I will not be late for that. Uh, I promise you. I promise you that. But there's going to be times in life where you and I have to wait on the Lord. And we have to wait the exact same way. Now, it may be difficult because we're used to waiting on other people one way, or, or we're waiting on the job one way, or waiting on the phone call one way. But we must wait on the Lord the exact same way. And the first thing we must do is to pray and to make our requests known to God, because if you have lived a little while and, and you may not be in a waiting period right now, things may be going really well and, and you have nothing, nothing to complain about. You have nothing to ask. You have, you have everything you need, but there's going to be a time in life. If you live just a few more weeks or months or years, it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next month, but it may be next year or 12 years from now where you're going to have a time in life or a season in life where you literally have to humble yourself and ask the Lord to perform for you what only he can do. Because you have tried everything. So this is why we must make our requests known to God. Because Oprah can only do so much. Dr. Phil can only do so much. People can only do so much. Money can only do so much. Worldly things can only do so much. There's going to be a time in life that you and I must wait on the Lord, whether it's for his guidance, his provision, his protection, his healing, or his reconciliation. There's going to be times where we have to humble ourselves and we have to wait. Wait. First, we must pray. We must make our requests known to the Lord. The second thing is we must trust in him. We must trust in him. The thing that I think about the most in this particular story is when Jesus showed up, he showed up on day what? Four. And I've said this before. I think I've preached this text once or twice over the last five years I've been here. And I've said this before that there was an old Jewish tradition that if someone were to die, that their spirit would kind of run around or be present in the tomb for three days. And if someone were to die and then come back to life within those three days, then they would not consider that any kind of miracle. But on day four and beyond, it would truly be a miracle of God because at that particular time, their spirit had departed the tomb and they would be truly dead. But Jesus showing up on day four tries to kind of show and demonstrate his power and authority to show that it is not the old wise tale that the spirit would still remain in the tomb for three days. So he chooses day four because it was not on third time, it was on his. So the reason I asked you earlier, if you've ever had to wait on God to do something, did it always look, did it look exactly how you wanted, exactly when you wanted, and exactly how quickly you asked, the majority of us would probably have to say no, because there's going to be times where God moves and does things on his time and not ours. Because some of us have very, very short attention spans when it comes to our prayer life or seeking the Lord for whatever it is that we may need help with. Because we live in such a 
a very Amazon Prime type society where everything's microwavable and we don't need to wait on anything anymore. We can, two days, it's on my front door and I don't have to go anywhere. I don't even have to, to put, you know, put real close to leave the house. I can just wait for everything to show up on the door in two days. And, and like I've said numerous times, we don't even have time to wait in one drive through lane anymore. We have to have two. And then Chick-fil-A workers will come get you off of Highway 55 as you're pulling into their driveway because they don't have time for you to wait in their line. They've got to get things moving. We live in such a hyperactive, very fast-paced society where sometimes it's very difficult for you and I to just sit and wait. It's very difficult for us to just sit and wait. That's why when we do wait on people, what are we oftentimes doing? We've got to be doing something. We've got to be simulated in one way or another. So instead of just waiting and putting the phone up and just sitting on the porch, we're here. We've got to be scrolling because we're, we're not used to waiting. And when, whenever we have to wait, we have to respond in a way to, to try to cope with it. So that's why it's very difficult for all of us to see God do what it is that we're asking because we pray, we make the prayer one time and after the second prayer, nothing has changed yet. So we imagine that God has just left us or abandoned us and he's just asking maybe for us to wait another day. Because, I mean, we're talking four days. Four days this man has been dead and then Jesus shows up. As these sisters have been waiting on Jesus for four days now, he does not show up on their time. He shows up on his time. And here's what I want you to know about God's time. It's always on time. God will never show up late. It's always on his time. But to us, it may be late. We may be looking at God and saying, well, God, if you would have done things differently or sooner, I wouldn't be in this financial predicament. Or if God, if you would have, if you would have done something before now, we wouldn't be in this particular setting. We, our relationship wouldn't be falling apart. If you would have done things differently earlier, if you would have been here when I asked the very first time, and we almost live in the, with this entitled, you know, Beverly Hills, 18-year-old mindset to where we just expect everything when we ask it, and God doesn't always work that way. And it's very difficult for us to understand and to be spiritually mature enough to just wait, to just trust in Him that though He may show up a little later than I want and may do things a little bit differently than I want, God is going to, and I, and I mean this without any kind of prosperity attachment, God is going to do for you what it is that you need most. And it may not be a new car. It may not be a new home. It may be an eternal salvation that you have to cling to for the rest of your life, but poverty may still come. Hardship may still come. Pain may still come. But God is going to give to his children what it is that we need most. Maybe not what it is that we want most or what we most want of, but God is going to give to us and provide for us what it is that we need most. And he's always going to do it on his time. So how do, we, how do we make our requests known but also trust in Him? We have to believe that whatever it is that we are asking of, He is capable of doing and then some. That He is able to do for us far more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we pray the one time, the two times. Well, Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 18 He taught a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. And this parable is of the persistent widow in which this persistent widow would go to the judge day after day after day. And finally, the judge got so annoyed with her bothering him that he just granted this request of hers 
so that he would have something else to do because he was tired of this widow showing up day after day after day. And this is the model of prayer that Jesus is trying to teach to his followers that you and I, not to just bug God, hey God, it's me again, can you really change this? But he's teaching us that we should have a persistency about us in our prayer and our trusting of him that we go to him daily and we go to him often. That we don't just make our requests known this one time and then just let it be. And then whenever he doesn't answer that first prayer, that only prayer, that we just imagine that he's that he hates us, that he's left us abandoned, that we continue to humble ourselves, make our requests known, and we pray daily, we pray often, and we humble ourselves and we slow ourselves down. And during the waiting period, we not just make ourselves known, but we also trust that he is able. We trust that he is able. And the last thing that we do during all of it is that we rejoice in the Lord. Because as I read Philippians chapter 4 to you, Paul starts verse 4 in this section of prayer. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So sometimes we wait very impatiently and we get a little frustrated because God's not doing what it is that we asked him to do when we asked him to do it. So instead of rejoicing, we get a little maybe rebellious because he's not granting our prayers, so he must not love us. Therefore, I have the justification to do life however I want, and I'm just going to comfortably you know, live in sin for a while because if God really loved me, if God really cared, he would have done this thing. And, and what happens is we can live a little rebellious or we can live a little lazy or dormant in our faith to where, well, God must not love me anymore. God must hate me, so, so I'm not going to do anything for him. You know, I'm not doing anything for him until he does for me what it is that I asked him to do. So we may grow dormant in our faith. We may grow rebellious in our life. But Paul says, and what I want to encourage you to do today is if you are waiting on God to answer a prayer, if you're waiting for God to provide for you something that only he can do and something that you truly desperately need, I want to encourage you to rejoice to rejoice in the Lord, to take heart that he is good and that he is able and that he still loves you just the same as he did and that he is able to do far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Because what happens after Jesus shows up, Jesus brings back to life their brother Lazarus And then as they're having dinner, Mary comes in and anoints Jesus with this very expensive ointment. And her response to him doing what it is that he did, she worships him with all that she had to offer. All that she had to offer. So after we wait and something comes to pass, what do we do? We worship. But until it comes to pass, we rejoice and we trust and we pray. And this is where I want us to go today. As we conclude this time of worship, I want you to consider maybe what it is that you are waiting on God to do. What is it that you're waiting on God to do? Maybe it's to answer a prayer. Maybe it's to restore a relationship. Maybe it's to heal a broken heart. Maybe it's to, you know, open doors for a business opportunity or a career that you've been dreaming and praying for and hoping for so bad. What is it exactly that that you are asking God to do? And here's what I want you to do. While we worship one more time, while we spend time in prayer, I want you to just sit and wait. It's only three minutes. Can you sit and wait for three minutes as we pray and as we worship? And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to spend time praying to the Lord 
and maybe rejoicing for a moment that you have an opportunity here because I hate this term because of the way it's used in culture, but this is kind of like a safe space, isn't it? You can all come in here, and we're going to smile whether we mean it or not, right? You know, we're going to laugh with you. We may not even know you, but we're going to hug you. We're going to love you. But this is like a safe space, right? So you can come in here, and you can distance yourself from all of the chaos of your world, and, and your boss isn't here looking over your shoulder, and, and there's no bills to be paid in here. I mean, you can give to the plate if you want, but we're not going to, you know, pressure you into this amount or this, this dollar amount. You can come in here, and you can sit there and do absolutely nothing but just sit and rejoice and just wait for me to shut up, right? You all wait for that very impatiently one day, Sunday after Sunday. But, but we come in here and it's a safe space. So here's what I want you to do. Find yourself for just the next three to five minutes rejoicing in the Lord. Praying, making your requests known, but I don't want you to leave here and just expect God to answer your prayer on your way home or things to change by tonight. Because there's going to be things in this life that you and I have to wait for. There, and just as it was for that old man, as he told the young man sitting on the bench, that I told her I would be there at 8, she came down at 8.30. So that first date led to a lifetime together to where he was then hoping that he would pass before her so that he could just wait in heaven for her arrival. So in that story, the wait was always worth it. Whenever we go somewhere and we're running late, even though people may be waiting on us, we may be waiting on them, it's always worth it. Whenever we wait on God and he does things on his time, as he did in this particular story in this family's life, their brother walked out of the tomb. And that wait immediately became worth it. And while they waited, while they anticipated the arrival of the Lord to, to, to finally make his way there, because they sent word in hopes, they were trusting that he would come, they were hoping that he would answer their prayer, and that he would come and he would heal their brother. Well, then brother dies, and they're still waiting, and they're still hoping, they're still believing that he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come. And he, and he shows up. And he does for them more than they could even ask or imagine. They warned Jesus of this man's smell because he has been dead for four days. And Jesus reminded him of his power, of his authority, and showed them just how much he could bless them. So you would ask them, was the wait worth it? And they would say, certainly. And then Mary would go and anoint him with a very expensive ointment. So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up, whoever's leading this last song. And as they sing and lead us in this last bit of time, I'm going to just invite you to a time of making your requests known to God. Maybe... You haven't humbled yourself yet to even ask him or to make known to him what it is that you truly desperately need. I'm going to ask you to do so right now, right here, to make your request known to the Lord. And then to leave here truly believing and trusting that he is able. 
He's able to do far more than you could ever ask or imagine. So that dream or that request that you may have, there might be a time where you see he didn't meet that request. He exceeded it far more than you could ever ask or imagine. And then until it comes to pass, I'm just going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice because I know he hasn't showed up yet, but I know he's on the way. Whenever Martha went and heard that Jesus is on the way, what did she do? She ran to him. And, and she met Jesus before Jesus could even get there. And she met him and, and she spoke to him and she asked him, hey, where were you? And they talked. But then what did she do? She ran home and told Mary. And Mary gets word that Jesus is coming. So Mary responds by getting up out of her seat and running to Jesus. So here's the thing. Jesus may not be there yet. God may not have done for you what it is that you've asked him yet, but trust in him that he is on the way. That he hears you, he sees you, he's on the way, but you may just have to wait a little while. So may we wait, may we worship, may we rejoice today, because help is on the way. Let's pray.